When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Doing an episode we really don't want to be doing today. Uh, the Ravens had devastating news from practice today with a potential season-ending ACL injuries to both Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards. Sarah Ellison, you know, with a lot of other things to do in her day, and uh, every other thing in her day that she would appreciate to talk about more than this, is here to talk about it. Thank you, Sarah. Hey, I'm sure you have a lot going on and you don't want to talk about it either, Ken. It is what it is, but I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how much of our mental health seems to get tied up in the Ravens and whatnot, but it's definitely true. Uh, you know, Maureen came up to me with some questions about fixing the bathroom, and I'm like, I, I really don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's so true. That's the way it just goes. So obviously, you start with all the all the things going on here, but uh, let's talk about cap first of all, because that's actually a concern for anyone the Ravens might bring in. There's a significant strain on the cap. Uh, anybody they get's going to be a vet minimum guy, so you could pretty much forget, you know, a lot of trades where the Ravens might acquire someone. I, it might be possible to structure something, but it really limits what options the Ravens have to to go about uh, fixing this. Yeah, and I already today wasn't there news that the Ravens restructured um, Chuck Clark, his contract, and um, Justin Tucker, I believe. I think that came from uh, Jamison Hensley and uh, Yates Fields. I can't remember his name. Uh, Field Yates. Yates. Yeah, Yeah, had him backwards. Um, Mm -hmm. And if I remember right, they've already restructured some of Ronnie Stanley's. Yeah, that was the and, big nut this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this just goes to show, I mean, lots of people wanted the Ravens to like, they were like, hey, let's start restructuring the cap back in March. <laughs> and it's like, this is why you leave money on the cap uh, or under the cap so that you don't have to keep doing this. And and even though Eric DaCosta was very 
smart with the with the cap. He's in this position anyway because of all these injuries and because of you know the COVID cap and all of that. So, um, yeah, it's there's not tons of money. Um, in fact, there's none, and that's why they mm-hmm. keep restructuring. So that alone is, as you said, an issue. Not that there's like a lot of high price people out there anyway, but at right. this point, every dollar counts. EDC. Right. And it, very much so. And to, particularly in veteran running backs who they might use to, to bring in, they're going to want to pay those guys all week to week. So neither mm-hmm. Freeman nor Bell will be activated for week one would be my guess anyway, that we'll see Cannon and Williams, the only two active running backs. Uh, well, the only two 53 man running backs, I'm sorry. And then probably one of Bell or Freeman will be active for week one as a practice squad call up, which I understand does not, uh, ruin the chance to pay him week to week by then making him a 53 man person in week two, 53 man player. Yeah. That's what I literally just read on Twitter from probably the best cap source, Brian McFarland, mm-hmm. uh, who was explaining that. And so, yeah, you, you hit that exactly. And so it kind of becomes, um, you know, prior, I mean, this is all moving so quickly before mm-hmm. they had, uh, re they had signed Freeman to the practice squad. I had just tweeted, that I didn't think that they were going to, you know, pull up um, or previously I didn't think they were going to pull up Le'Veon Bell. And now I was like, that's changed. She's going to be called upon. But I didn't realize how quickly <laughs> they would get Freeman in here. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, you know, Freeman's been in a training camp, if I'm not mistaken. He's been in training camps. He's a little bit more in football shape. Le'Veon Bell, Bell hasn't been. And so I think that now – um, you've got options of, I thought Le'Veon Bell for sure would now need to be called up, but now I think it could be either or. Yeah, I, I agree. And and the, the fact that Bell has been there, what, a day or two now. Right. Neither uh, one has a head start on the offense, right? <laughs> no. So that's like no. a wash right there. So let's go through what the Ravens, actually, go ahead. I just want to add one thing before we get deeper in, um, uh, which I think is good context to know. Peter Schrager from, from NFL Network has um, reported that both of these injuries were non-contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to, I just always think that's good to have context. I mean, uh, you know, coming off of JK Dobbins injury, I, you know, I'm already seeing some tweets like how, how dare Harbaugh, he needs to take it easy. Well, these were non-contact. And on top of it, Peter Schrager had um, reported that with Marcus Peters, it was during a routine cornerback drill just a routine cornerback drill so you know it's the knee-jerk reaction to say you know coach harbour the coaches need to need to be hypersensitive to this just how sensitive do you want them to be i don't think they should advocate nobody doing drills (laughs) you know what i mean so you got to get ready for the game yeah, it's, it's scapegoat syndrome. Everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. wants to find a scapegoat for this thing that's just horrendously bad luck. Uh, the Ravens ought to look at this systemically, and I think we want to touch on that a little bit later. So why don't we come back to it? Perfect. Um, but but going with what they have right now at running back, Tyson Williams now very clearly the number one back, which he played great in the preseason. So, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for him to jump into the league with both feet and, uh, you know, really do something great in a Lamar Jackson offense. I mean, he's got a real chance. Uh, Trent Cannon is now the backup. Uh, you know, they're going to rely on him for special teams. I do think the Ravens may be at a point where they need to, to uh, take some running backs off special teams and maybe use more of their defensive backs to do it. I mean, it's, it's with the older guys, I don't think they can, they're going to be able to easily ask them to play special teams as well as uh, run the football. Would you advocate that for Cannon? 
No, Cannon is really brought okay. in as a special teams player, right. and that's that's right. his his purpose. But uh, yeah, I don't but I see think... Le'Veon Bell running down <laughs> and like doing punt or kick coverage. I'm he's not going to be the gunner here, <laughs> you no. know, anytime soon. No, at the, the, those running back body types though are the often the core special teams players. So at one point in Gus Edwards' rookie year in 2018. He scored the game, the, the touchdown that brought the Ravens within two against Cincinnati in Lamar's first game. Then he scored the two-point conversion uh, that, that uh, did that. And then he was on the kickoff team, and I think he made the tackle on the, on the very following play. It just gives you an idea of you know, the kind of workload that can, that can be expected out of right. a player like that. Right. So, uh, that was really, if you, if you have that game on, on video or you want to go back on NFL Game Pass, that's, uh, that's one you, that's worth looking at. I love, you're like a Ravens encyclopedia. I love it, Ken. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, Latavius Murray, a name that's been out there. I, I think if they're signing Devonta Freeman, it's less likely that Latavius Murray is the guy. I also think it's possible Latavius Murray might want more than the minimum. Uh, so, uh, you know, that might be a concern as well. Well, yeah, I mean, with with Murray, I mean, you have to consider the circumstances in which he was let go. The Saints approached him uh, reportedly and asked him to take a pay cut, and he wouldn't do it. Do you know what he was? I I felt like it was trying to bring him down from four million to two million, but I, that's just off the top of my head. I don't know if you have that information there. I can um, get it in a moment. Okay, you grab it, and I'll keep talking while you're looking yeah. it up. Um, but but so so it is unclear if it was like he was a hard stickler because he wanted the money. Mm -hmm. And or because he wanted out of New Orleans. And so um, I don't know that I I don't I haven't seen any reports on exactly if it was just purely um, money driven or if it was that he also wanted out. But, you know, being out on the market, you know, for a couple of days, you know, kind of makes some maybe want to be like, oh, OK, maybe I'll, I'll come back or whatever. So uh, but if he's looking for any significant amount of money, I, I the Ravens obviously are showing the willingness to restructure because they've been doing it, but they're going to have their limits. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't, they don't have an unlimited credit card. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're literally working off a $350 credit card limit or whatever it might be the appropriate, <laughs> you know, uh, comparison in the real world. Um, you know, it, it, another thing about all this is Elijah Holyfield, a guy they brought in, um, but it really indicates just how thin the pool is on young talent. Now, this was a draft that was obviously very thin because of COVID, a lot of opt-outs, a lot of people realizing, hey, nobody's had a chance to see me play. I'm not going to get drafted effectively if I go in, go in now. I'll wait a year. Small school running backs galore made that decision. There's going to be a lot of good running backs coming out in this next draft, and there's probably going to be less of a market for them. Right now, young running backs are at an incredible premium across the, the league. I mean, what, what the Ravens wouldn't give to have Nate McCrary back right now? In fact, that might even be a question as, as to what they would trade to get Nate McCrary back right now. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Well, and it's so – it's such a change, right, from what we've been saying for it feels mm -hmm. like – I mean, at least a half a decade, if not longer, yeah. where it's like, oh, there's so many running backs out there. It's not worth using draft picks on them. It's not worth, you know, because you can find them everywhere. And now all of a sudden, I mean, they're, the Ravens have found names. You know, they found some mm -hmm. names like in Le'Veon Bell, but do those names still have it? We're about to find out. But like, but like you said, you'd think that there'd be undrafted guys everywhere. And, mm -hmm. uh, but, but that's just not the case. Yeah, circumstances have certainly conspired to, to make this a very unfortunate circumstance for the Ravens that, that, you know, they've got everybody injured at once at a time when this particular pool is at its lowest that it's been in, uh, in you know, probably 
since I've been a fan, I'm going to say, but definitely this is one of the most impaired running back pools that I've ever seen. And, you know, the ability to get players like Collins, uh, you know, off the scrap heap and, you know, sign a, a veteran like Justin Forsett for very cheap in the, in the past, you know, these things have been available to the Ravens, but, but this year there's just, there's not an obvious solution. You look over all the, the uh, practice squads out there, there just aren't a lot of young running backs. So you're telling me that it's a run-first offense <laughs> with three season-ending injuries to your top three running backs, and like out of nowhere, like the the market isn't you know full of running backs like it usually is. It's just like <laughs> yeah. the perfect storm uh, for the Ravens. Yeah. I, I I hate hearing that because in the financial world, whenever we hear perfect storm, it's like okay, this is like the fourth perfect storm in the last ten years. They'll tell me you're just not accounting for this risk because that's what it sounds like to me. You know, we, we, we've, we heard that a lot in actual real work about you know the various financial crises we've had in recent years. But anyway, um, Murray Murray was making three point one five million with the that Saints. was his total total cap it though. But or was there a prorated bonus of some sort? Because I got two point eight. bonus of three fifty. Triple reported that Murray had three point one five million in salary and bonuses for the season. Yeah, that's that's correct. But two point two point eight base salary and three uh, three hundred fifty thousand of roster bonus. Okay. So there it is. Yep. All right. So that's a it's a you know he may want more than the minimum. He may be okay you know taking the minimum at some point very soon here because there aren't isn't a lot of whole money around the whole league and there's a lot of teams that don't want to spend what little they have anyway. Right. You know they know that they're not contending this year and they're saying, well, screw that. We'll you know wait till next year. Right. Right. Okay, so let's talk about, I think, the next thing. It's on a lot of people's mind. Had a lot of questions come in in the mailbag about this. But but how does this affect the offense as a whole? And what can the Ravens do to continue running as much of Roman's playbook as they possibly can? Well, I'll, I'll say this. I, I mean, it's the only, not the only, it's, you know, the piece of optimism that you look at. If there's going to be a, a place where a running back can come off the street and he's going to succeed, it's in Greg mm-hmm. Roman's yeah. offense. You know and what I mean? With Lamar and, it's, Jackson. and it's with, yeah. exactly, I was just about to say that, it's with Lamar Jackson next to him. And, you know, it puts um, pressure on Lamar, both, both running and throwing, because I do think, mm-hmm. <laughs> my goodness, if there's ever time, people are all saying, you know, especially Ravens fans, they've been wanting to see the Ravens lean more, lean into their passing game more. I don't think they wanted to obviously, you know, lose all their running backs. But I mean, if there's ever a time to prove that Lamar has taken the next step and that the receivers are going to take the next step and that, you know, Sammy Watkins can come in and be a focal guy and, and, and do all that. I mean, this this is the moment. This is the moment. But having said that, I do think they're going to have to lean in a little bit more into the passing game. And yesterday, what I said, they would need to lean more into the running game. Well, because the, the receivers have all been injured. And so the passing game hasn't had all of training camp. And so, but when your lead back is Tyson Williams, and you know, I love him. You know, he's my BYU mm-hmm. guy. You know, I love him. I, I, I still feel like you're going to have to lean more into the passing game. Um and and then, but having said that, again, in this Greg Roman offense, you plug in somebody. If they can't succeed here, if Le'Veon Bell can't revive his career here under oh, these yeah. circumstances, can't do it anywhere. He can't do it anywhere. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he, he's absolutely through. I think 
you know, one of the underrated things that is going to be a problem for this Ravens team is getting the mesh point right. And, you know, they had three guys last year and they had Mark Ingram the year before who were all very good with the mesh point. Ingram in particular made more of it than who he was at a running back at the time, I think, because he was so good at delaying through that mesh point and, and hitting it just right with Lamar. The timing was on. That takes time to develop. Mm. It's not an automatic, not, not every other team in the world is working off a mesh point, you know, to, to make decisions and, and, and run these option plays. They may do it a little bit, but they, they, they don't necessarily do it a lot. And, and this is a, you know, bringing players like Le'Veon Bell in and some of these older backs, it doesn't mean they have all the experience in the world handling the mesh point correctly. That's a really good point. Here's a question. I mean, really good point. Here's a question for you. Cause, cause then you're going to see more fumbles. As they're yes, trying to learn right, this, like you know what I mean? Team. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, like a lot of fumbles because you're trying to figure this yeah. out on the fly with Lamar Jackson. Do you um, – the? I mean, the Ravens love to rotate their running backs, right? Mm-hmm. We want to keep them fresh until the fourth quarter. Um, is this – this is a time where like Tyson Williams, do we go back to like, okay, we have a, we have a cash cow for at least a game and it's all Tyson with a little bit of a breather here and there, but it's like, he's the guy and he, he gets back to those old school days where you have a number one back and you just keep feeding him. I, I think you got to be super smart about it this year, given the injuries they've had already. And what I would say is you figure out all the snaps you can possibly not have him on the field. And you take him off for those. And then when you really need him, you, you got him. Uh, you know, with, with maybe with Bell, we'll see if either Bell or Freeman is a run blocker anymore. Bell at one time, mm-hmm. I think, was a decent run blocker. Uh, sorry, pass blocker. Um, mm-hmm. but, but we'll see if those guys can, can handle that kind of role anymore. Uh, you know, I, I think in, in the case of Williams, he's your most important player as a receiver. I think that's pretty clear. And these guys, both Freeman and, and Bell have, have some background as a receiver, but it's been four years since either of them has played well. 2017, in fact, was the last good year for both players. Since right. then, they have absolutely sucked in terms of yards <laughs> per touch, all metrics when they've even been on the field, which hasn't been the whole time. They're both 29 years old, which is very, very old for a running back. Don't kid yourself. There's no 32-year-old running backs who are going to be good. And by the way, Latavius Murray's even older. Uh, I just I, I don't like our chances with any of them to really get a, a a kickstart to a career. I'm thinking about how do we get 90 carries out of these guys? You know, maybe maybe out of each of them if you're really lucky. Um, but but you know, I, I don't think you know we're going to see 150 or 160 carry season out of either of those guys. Uh, so I think you really then go, Tyson Williams is the guy who'll probably get the most carries. And I think you got to figure out how do you eye dropperize those into the most important times, which mm. by the way, scares the hell out of me that we're down to that. Yeah. 100. Okay. So here's, here's a question for you. Cause you were probably uh, one of the most realistic voices on Des Bryant while he was here, right? Mm-hmm. Like from the beginning, <laughs> you know, you were like yeah. not expecting a lot. I don't know if you predicted how many, you know, passes he would have or anything like that. Do you feel like Le'Veon or Devonta, would you say that your expectations for them are right on with Des Bryant or do you exceed? I mean, they're going to have a greater opportunity, mm-hmm. but, but if, if Des, if there was an injury and Des had to be put in, would you have the expectations around the same or would you give these guys any, any sort of leg up? 
Okay, the reason I think maybe I expect a little bit more out of either Freeman or Bell is that they at least have played a little recently. And, and, and in Freeman's case, actually played a fair amount. He just hasn't played that well recently. In Bell's case, he's missed a whole lot of time in the last three seasons. You know, he lost a whole season due to holdout. And then he, then he got injured uh, in, in one season. And then the other season, I remember how, he, how many carries he had, but he wasn't effective. And so we're not talking about a lot of total play for Bell, but it's still more than Bryant by a mar- by a wide margin, of course. And then if you look on the other side uh, for Freeman, he's just his production has been declining. He's more of a typical running back at this age, you know, de- declining production. So it's not that Freeman can't get on the field and and generate you know three point nine yards a carry, and that's kind of what I'm afraid of is that you know he comes in. And the Ravens still want to stay with the same offense. And all of a sudden, he's just not very effective at running it. And he's, he's uh, getting taken down on the first hit. He's not breaking tackles. He's not doing the things we need him to do. And maybe he's messing up with the mesh point as well. Gotcha. Well, at least, I don't know, you're, right at this point, I'm just reaching for optimism, you know. Yeah. But maybe with Le'Veon, because of the holdouts or whatever, with running backs, you always talk about so much tread on the tires. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, maybe it, maybe it spared him some mileage. I remember... Um, uh, McGahee, McGahee. Oh, he raved about that. He always was like, I love that. I'm not always, you know, the one getting all the carries. Cause it, it expands my career, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing. I mean, this might be reaching. It's just looking for ways of, of, of positivity. Uh, Cause that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe, maybe another positive angle, if you want to look for it is let's find out what Bell and Freeman can do. So right. maybe, maybe in each case, they're both going to be on the practice squad. It looks like maybe, Bell can show some chops as a pass blocker and and recover some of his receiving skills and right. some of that either elusiveness or tackle breaking. And maybe Freeman, you know, becomes a slasher again that the Ravens can actually use that that may have. And I'm really reaching now. Freeman actually is slightly ahead, I believe, in terms of yards per touch on receiving, although I may be wrong about that. Um, and, and I, you know, I just try to find it. You know, if, if anybody can find what's the one thing that's right about these running backs, it's probably a player like Roman and it's probably in a system with Jackson. Right. And I'll say this. I, I do think the Ravens are pretty good at, you know, scouting and self-scouting. If it is really this bad, they obviously have the draft um, assets mm-hmm. to go out and make it and offer a trade. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, if Eric DaCosta has already picked up the phone, I guarantee he's already thought about it. He thinks about all angles, mm-hmm. all angles, all angles all the time. So, you know, if it's to get back McCrary or whatever, um, if if it's as, as if they're not as optimistic as, as you, then I'm sure that they're already pursuing those types of things. Yeah, I mean, having just cut McCrary, the notion of trading a non-conditional seventh or possibly a conditional sixth for him to get him back is not that outrageous. Right. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's something the Ravens probably should consider. Um, it, I think it would be outrageous if they're talking about, you know, splurging on fours and fives at this point. But, uh, you know, the players they can get, they have to be minimum salary guys or they have to be players where the, the existing team pays all the money out in bonus, assuming they can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then they, they'll have to deal with, the, with any dead money issues on, say, a $4 million running back if there's a guy they like out there enough to trade a higher round draft pick to to get somebody they could afford this year. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on. This is this is uh, depressing as hell, but uh, but we <laughs> we need to get going. Um, you know, one of the one of the issues that comes up is a systemic problem here. And you mentioned both these happening in non-contact drills. There was an interesting comment today, and I have a, a physical therapist physical therapist coming on later today to talk about some of these issues. But um, that other teams are using GPS for their practices which I did not know they did that. I know they use them for game to determine every possible, you know, every point on the field, every tenth of a second that they move, um, but that they could use those things from practice to pull a guy from practice early and that they they thought they were less likely, and I'll have to find the tweet involved and retweet it, uh, were le- were, those teams were less likely to have injuries. Now, of course, everybody's come out of the woodwork with their what, opinion about this. What are they tracking? What are they tracking to know to, to pull them out? Like how much they're running? Like what, what are they tracking? I, you know, it, I, I, I don't know. Cause I didn't, I didn't do the tweet, but I can right. give you some examples. They could look at cuts at top speed at thing like that and saying is the, you know, to, to try and judge intensity of practice, but it, it, whatever the case, I mean, you know, I, I, I question the source anytime, that the conditions are extreme and, and, you know, right. obviously, you know, a lot of bad things have happened. People are trying to find some explanation for it, you know, pro um, injury avoidance um, polar people, we'll call them <laughs> are going to want to try and find reasons why everything NFL practices are done are wrong. Right. And, and they're going to want to, you know, maybe sell their services in some case, but, but uh, anyway, here, here's the thing on. Uh, so, so fair question. Cause that's what everybody was. That's what everybody asks about when you have, especially when you have a bunch of injuries all at once. Okay. For me to, I think it's fair to ask all these questions, right? Mm-hmm. In the NFL, you're always looking for an edge. And so if that's GPS tracking, if it's, you know, uh, analytics, is it, is it looking at what's the difference of playing people in preseason versus just throwing them in there? Cause then you could, you know, if you're not really practicing, right, you could just have a bunch of injuries week one and two anyway, you know, so you, so it's not just like, it's not just in, um, you, you have to, you have to compare is what I'm saying is you always have to compare the risks for, 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 for both sides. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if, so I think those questions are all fair. What I'm will, what I won't do is I'm not going to say, yes, it's for sure systemic without some proof. Oh, okay? sure. And so that's where like the leap that I think is unfair. So when you think about whether it's systemic, you have to look at it beyond this season. Right. And I actually reached out to you uh, closer when, when all the wide receivers injuries mm-hmm. were going on with, and luckily none of those were season injury season ending. So I started looking for data. How do the Ravens rank? This is the best way I can look at it. I mean, I don't know how else to look at it when you're comparing it to other football teams. So I found what I really liked. It was Football Outsiders, who's very data-driven. I looked at Football Outsiders, and they have the stat, adjusted games lost due to injuries data. Okay, And it's weighted. I really like that it's weighted because they weight it for starters. So it's not just like, okay, Lamar. if Lamar misses 10 games, that's the same as you know RB3 missing 10 games. They don't do that. They weight Mm -hmm. it. Okay, so they weight it and they do it by position because they also weight, you know, well, the quarterback position is more important than okay. um, the the special teams punt coverage person. Okay, so they do all of that. They weight it with all those different types of things. I don't want to go into all of it. So I went through the last decade to see mm-hmm. how the Ravens ranked. So they give them a score at the end of it. They give a they give a raw score at the end of the year. 
So I'll just give you some of the years. I'll start going back. So 2020, they were the eighth healthiest, according to this Football Outsiders adjusted games lost due to injuries data. Okay. Mm-hmm. By the way, one other thing I want to say that they weigh, they weigh if you're how much you're on the injury report too. So yes. you could play in the game, but you're not at 100%. They try to, they try to factor that in too. I just wanted to add that, that list, last little factor. So last year, they're number eight. 2019, they're number 16, dead smack in the middle. Mm-hmm. 2018, they are the number one most healthy team. So mm-hmm. we've already gone from the healthiest to the middle to, you know, still top 10. 2017, they drop all the way to number 27. 2016, number 11. 2015, the year that they lose Joe Flacco. Yep. And a few others are number 30. Okay. Then number seven, number nine, number 13, and in 2011, they're number one again. Mm-hmm. So this is up and down everywhere. I see nothing in here that says there's something systemically wrong. Well, so I, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll say they did hire some people. They made changes to try and address some of these injuries. I think Steve Sanders was one of the people who yes. I think was also the COVID guy. Uh, by the way, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure of that. No, but. it is. It's the same. It's yeah, you're right. Okay. He, so, he does, so. okay. so, so, uh, but I'm not making the claim that you can't make any dent in it because that is mm-hmm. what they did. Cause they were, they were, they had more issues with the soft tissue injuries. And I think there's more evidence that you can try to protect against that. Um, yes. the way, you know, the way that you stretch, the way that you work out, the way that you eat, the way, I mean, tons of things. Okay. So, I think that you can make incremental incremental changes, but but when we're talking that you are number one twice in the last decade, and then two other times you're number thirty and number twenty seven, okay, yeah, those incremental incremental changes are not moving you from thirty to number one. Those changes are moving you from. 30 to what 20 in the upper 20 upper 20s so, so there's okay. a there's a significant component of random chance that's involved in all of this and i would agree with that right. looking at and that data i wouldn't be able to find a pattern right and on top of it when you're when you're jumping from to number 30 or 27 it is the season enders i am not aware of anything that steve saunders can do to prevent jk dobbins from hyperextending his knee and cutting his ACL. I'm not aware anywhere on any NFL team in any sport where you can prevent that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, and so by the way, and I, and I want to put out a caveat with this because I'm not, I I reached out to football outsiders. I haven't heard back, but I took the raw scores of the Ravens for every single year. You can't just average the averages, right? So I'm not averaging these average, these, these average rankings. I took their raw score over 10 years and I took the raw score of all 32 teams over the last 10 years. If Mm -hmm. I'm doing this correctly and I won't put it on out on Twitter till I get football outsiders to confirm that I'm doing this correctly. I only say it here because I can put all the caveats in there. Mm -hmm. But if I did the math correctly, the Ravens have been the sixth healthiest team over the last decade. That's that, that I think that would be better than I have seen by another measure. So we had a guy on from PFF that gave us war adjusted injuries loss. And, and it is intended to be very similar to what you're talking about there. A, uh, measure that effectively weights the position, weights the importance, and then and then weights their PFF scores in terms of their value. And it uses a year-to-year and also uses the injury report. The year-to-year meaning you can't project the guy's value based on what he did that year. Or you, you're, you're projecting his value as nothing, and then the loss is nothing. You have to look at the last year, and then you you 
you roll in additional value from that year, kind of in the way football outsiders makes their rankings more and more permanent as the way goes, as the year goes on. But this is PFF. Okay. And uh, th- he did a good job with it. He showed where the Ravens ranked each year on a scatter plot. The, the numbers were similar. Ravens are all over the place with 2015 being the really disastrous year mm-hmm. for, for the Ravens, like everybody knows. Uh, but, you know, the Ravens are basically all over the place and usually a little bit above average or about average. And you're saying similar things here, although having them be the most healthy ever is it was is an extreme uh, result beyond that. So I don't think there's anything contradictory here. I think you're right. probably right. And, and I agree with you that basically you can't find a pattern there that says this is a systemic problem unless you can look at some other systemic component and study right. that. So right. if you said the Ravens you know, practiced with ways A, B, and C in these years, mm-hmm. and then you could tie it somehow, then I think you could make that. But, but just on the raw data injuries year to year, it's not there. Right, right, right. And and I will say, I can't give all the um, conclusions from it, but the, I, when I still worked there, um, the Ravens were were deciding what kind of um, field to use at M&T Bank Stadium. Mm-hmm. Can you remind me what the recent change is? I can't, they, I can't. They have, they have turf now. They have turf now, but it used yeah. to be grass, yeah. yeah. At, at the Ravens practice fields, outside which is where they practice more often especially in these in the in these summer months they're mostly outside they're on a grass field i don't know what they practice on i don't know what the stadium is at um in washington dc where where jk dobbins but jk dobbins gets his injury in dc um Rashad Bateman got his original injury, if I remember. It was at the stadium. I remember at first he's like, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. But that's where he originally pulled it. And then these these two injuries happened at the Ravens practice field today. And so I'm not even seeing – because people want to say, okay, if it's not the strength and conditioning coach, if it was non-contact and they were just doing – and Marcus Peters was just doing a routine cornerback drill, and I can't ask for the Ravens to bubble wrap him more than that – and so now you want to scapegoat it to the field, but these are all happening on different fields. Right. And so I'm just not seeing in any of those categories, some sort of trend. It's right. It's so what, it, so again, you keep asking the questions, you keep digging into it, you do advanced technology, but as of right now, um, here's my answer. It's the mm-hmm. game of football. Right. Well, I, I, I think I agree with that. And by the way, for people who are questioning the Ravens practice facility, that's an unbelievably well-tended, well-kept facility, particularly the, the fields are just immaculate. Yes. And, and you know, they, they're so strict about rules of, of where you can walk around if you're not, <laughs> a, you know, but it's, 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 it's true. It's so it would be so hard to believe that that turf, which is better than you ever see the stadium when they had grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look, uh, it's just it, it'd be so hard to believe that the fields are really the problem at the root of this. I think, you know, you, you there may be no answer. And that's probably that's probably true. But I, I, at the very least, we haven't found the answer yet is the right. easiest way to put it. Right. Let's move on here, because I because this is a topic that's just depressing as heck. I want to move on to cornerback. Uh, Ravens, obviously, exceptionally deep at the position. Uh, but Peter's the number two cornerback. There were legitimate concerns, I think, about him coming into this year in terms of some of his speed and whatnot, uh, and and certainly the age on him now at this at this point in his career. But still, you know, a, a very talented corner, and losing him is going to hurt. Yeah, and the thing is, is about with with Peters, 
nobody replaces what he really does well, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's this, I mean, you've, you've compared his stats to Ed Reed, right? Like the yeah. instincts, the instincts, the interceptions, reading the quarterback, studying field, uh, film, jumping gambling. certain routes, gambling. He, and, and sometimes he gets bitten, but more times like he's, he's not, he's, he's making yeah. the right gamble at the right time. Um, so as deep as this is, I don't care who else is moving up. You're not really replacing what Marcus Peters brought to the Ravens. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. And, and you know, Anthony Averett gets a big chance here. Mm-hmm. And you just you do have to account for the possibility you're going to lose your top cornerbacks. Corners go down a lot. If you look back at the Ravens of 2000 and 2001, even up to about 2003, they were very big on having their cornerbacks not get involved in run plays. I don't really think that's the way they look at it anymore. I think they look at, you know, we got big physical cornerbacks. Let's let's let, let them make plays. Let's let Marcus Peters sometimes rush in off the edge when, when you have an expected run play and try and shut that down. Um, you know, they've, if you look back in, in 2000, I mean, Starks is, is, is staying away from the pile. McAllister, who's a big physical, excellent run defender later on in his career, is staying away from the pile. And, you know, I just they, they don't do that. Anyway, these are these injuries. They didn't occur because of that. But we, we also right. have to project for more injuries as the season goes on, as as is the nature. And you know, one the one other point I'll make about this is that this is one of the problems with the cornerback position in particular. And left tackle is another one where they have, you know, limited number of limited people in the pool. The, the replacement level degrades fairly quickly during the season. So replacement level cornerback in September is nothing like what it'll be like in December. So if, if uh, you know, loss of Peters is very serious, uh, don't get me wrong, but I think the Ravens are, are, are lucky in a sense that they, they didn't trade everybody they could have at the cornerback position. It's a little sad that they, they ended up losing warrior, you know, to mm-hmm. Seattle, but, uh, but they're in better shape than maybe they could otherwise be. Well, and this just, you know, when we were, when we were making 50 man, three man predictions, like I couldn't find room for all of the Ravens DBs. And for the most part, the Ravens did, as you said, Warriors, the exception. And so again, this injuries, you want it to stop, you want it to stop, but of all positions, the Ravens prepare for injuries at this one. And you hate yeah. for the first one, the first season ender, especially to come before week one. But, um, I mean, it is Anthony Averett's time. How, I mean, he's contract year, right? This is his contract year. Martindale, who admittedly talks up all of his defense. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's like, there's a reason why they love him. And some of it is because he's just a phenomenal de- do- uh, defensive coordinator. But the other part is because, man, does he pump him up, okay? Mm-hmm. However, having said that, he doesn't always say about all of his backups that they have all pro talent. <laughs> that is what he said about Anthony Averett about, I don't know, a week or two or, or so ago. Like the time, it's just a time warp. I don't even know. I don't even know what month we're in anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, but I mean, so here's his chance, this, you know, quote unquote, all pro talent. Now, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do think he's been starting caliber. I do think that that's, yeah. that's probably where he's at. And so when you got Marlon Humphrey on the other side, you got Tavon Young there in the slot corner. You got Jimmy Smith coming back. Who knows how long you could rely on that for? But he's back at practice this week. I don't know if he'll play this 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 mm-hmm. Monday. I, I would if I had a bet, I'd say no. Probably you can still be conservative with him there. But um, so uh, for now, I'm gonna miss Marcus. 
but I think the Ravens are still going to be okay uh, in the cornerback group. And can I just say something? We've been, uh, we've been, and I don't see it on on the program here. So I'll just take the moment here, real quick, talking about Marcus. We're all talking about how to replace him. Just from like mm-hmm. a, a human level, Ken. I don't know if you listened to Marcus Peters today. They had pressers before practice, mm-hmm. and and we've heard him from Wired before. This man has talked about rediscovering his joy mm-hmm. for the game of football. And I wonder if that's part of life too. And he's, he stood up there today, man. That guy was so happy. That guy talked about loving being here, talked about the legacy of the Ravens, how he wanted to meet that standard on defense. And he wanted to, you know, he wanted to be a part of the Ravens legacy. He and this defense had to do it. He was so happy for this season to begin. And he has, I'm glad that he's rediscovered his joy. He was giving so much joy. And then with, goodness, man, he's been the backup for so long, undrafted rookie, just playing his role. Whenever called upon, he does his thing. And it was finally his moment. And so from just a personal standpoint, I don't know, maybe these guys listen to your show, Ken. I don't, I don't know maybe whether they do or not, but I just want to put that energy into the air, man. I, these guys are great. And prayers up to them. I hope they come back better than ever. I'm sorry for this, but it's like Harbaugh said when we watched that Wired. If you saw the Wired when JK went down, there's no comeback if you don't go down. And when you come back, you're going to bring glory to yourself and bring glory to the game. And I hope nothing, I wish for nothing less than that for both of these guys. You know, that's a great, great set of points there. And, and in addition to Peter's very positive comments, and, and I, they seem entirely genuine, you know, and you, you have a good bullshit meter, too. We've, we've talked about this before on your show. But when you hear people talk about this, sometimes it sounds fake and manufactured and sometimes it sounds real. And this, mm-hmm. this really sounds real. I think I got the same feeling from hearing Justin Houston talk. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, when you see it corroborated by his behavior on the field, trying to uh, teach young players to do some things, I, I, I'm, I just have a very positive feeling. This is just a great environment to play in. So people like to play in Baltimore. It's, it's an excellent requirement. And, you know, it's not BS, by the way, when wired cameras are picking up on it when you're just talking with your position coach. You know what I mean? Like, they're not setting that stuff up. I promise you. The, the Ravens production team would love it if they could go set up players to get them to say more stuff because some weeks they don't have a lot of great content okay some weeks they're like we had nothing we're gonna have to make something out of nothing this week okay that stuff is not set up that is genuine conversations on the sideline between a coach and his player that already have a friendship so we have the outside corner position seems like Averett is set there for number two Smith could be back uh as the number three corner uh, when he does, and I, 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 they may do some rotation between those two, but I think basically we'll see one or the other will basically take take the snaps until there's a until there's a change there. The problem with they've had a lot of a lot of injuries re- recent years is at slot where Tavon mm-hmm. hasn't been able to stay on the field. And what I like about the Ravens this year is they're very well set up in terms of the backup slot corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there. They have much more depth there much more depth uh with stevens and i i honestly have seen very little of our darius washington i know that you've been at the practice i saw him mm-hmm. you know in the preseason games just as much as any other fan um but uh, you know they they've really manipulated their roster to keep them <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. they they really wanted to keep them 
Yeah, the, the guy he reminds me of, Tasmanian Devil, is Corey Ivey from, from ah. 2006. Corey Ivey, he played for several years for the Ravens. I loved Corey. But, yeah, a great, great player, but a smaller guy, uh, throws his body around relentlessly um, and, and, you know, is not the fastest guy, but still is very tough in the slot, even on bigger receivers and, uh, and can, can play the run, can rush the passer out of there. So, you know, I, I, I hope that's the kind of player they have kind of at the, at the bottom end for, uh, who our Darius is. And it wouldn't be too terrible if that's who he ended up, you know, emulating in terms of a career, but, uh, but he could be better still than that. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, again, I can't speak to him. I just don't feel. I mean, I just don't feel like I've watched him enough. So I and I trust your analysis. All right, Westry on the outside still. Now he looked like he'd be a season long inactive. Now I think he'll get some activations this year. Uh, won't necessarily come right away, but they'll, they'll probably come down a time when the Ravens are down a corner and they're going to want to have him on the active roster uh, at some point. So that'll be interesting to see. I uh, don't think we talk too much about trades. Uh, you know, and one of the things that, that was pointed out there and the kind of trade that can't work easily is that the Jaguars are looking to trade EJ Henderson, uh, former number one pick. I think he might've been eighth overall several years ago. I, I don't remember if he's in his third year or his fourth year, but it would be a franchise shifting type trade right. to get a guy like that. It'd be like um, the Rams trading for uh, Ramsey. Uh, right, 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 right. So I, I, I don't see that as being the kind of move the Ravens would make for multiple reasons. But uh, but if they did, they'd be giving up a ton of draft capital to do it. So uh, probably not. Well, because then you would have him. And then what comes back, what happens next year when both JK and Gus Edwards come back? Like you said, it just is. Yeah. Then you have. Yeah. I, Henderson's corner. So it, it, it's it, they, you know, they'd be talking about. Oh, getting my a bad. Corner. My yeah. bad. I thought I was yeah. looking at the bullet before. It looked like you were talking about running back there. OK, yeah. I hear you. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. No, it's not your fault. It's mine. Yeah, you're right. I, I, it's, that is very confusing. I'm looking at the outline here. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. All right. So I, I think the Ravens are actually going to play the cards they have at corner. I, I, at It's at running back that I could see them going a little bit of draft capital. It'd still be on the margin draft capital, but if they want to reacquire Nate McCrary, I think that's a possibility. If they want to want to try and figure out another team's uh, running back that they like, who's a first contract player, I, again, I think that's a possibility. But I don't think that they're they're going to go splurging with a third or fourth round draft pick to get somebody else. Somebody somebody asked me the question. This is off the mailbag, so I'll ask this one: Would you trade a fourth round pick for Mark Ingram and a sixth round pick? And you know the answer is no. I, you know, I'll, I'll start with that. Guys like Mark Ingram, unfortunately, at, at his point in his career, they're the kind of guys that are available this year. It's veteran players who are a little bit older and have some significant tread wear. Ingram is now, I think, fifth in among all career uh, running backs in terms of carries. So it's not like he's he's he had limited tread wear when he came to the Ravens, but he's older now, and I mean, just he has a fair amount of tread wear. Uh, it's it's interesting to me because I've seen that a lot too. Um, I didn't see that specific, um, you know, willing to give up a fourth and a sixth. No way would I give that up for him. Um, but even for less, do people get amnesia so quickly? How many people were screaming at the Ravens for playing Mark Ingram so much last year. They were like, listen, the Ravens are loyal to a fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Mark has been great and he's been wonderful. He's like, you know, the hype man for Lamar Jackson, but people were screaming to take him off the field. And maybe in part because you had, you know, JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, there healthy and behind him. So obviously we're in a different circumstance, but uh, 
were we all watching the same games? He just wasn't, he just, he was a different back from 2019 to 2020. He was, it was, it was not the same. Yeah. And I, I think the injury probably had something to do with that at the end of 2019 uh, or it might've anyway. And uh, uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't the same guy, but running backs kind of have a way of getting old very quickly when they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not always a gradual decline. So unfortunately Mark had a great year for the Ravens. The contract was entirely worth it from, from their perspective, uh, gave his career a little boost. I think both parties can, can leave with that being happy with his time yeah. with the Ravens. But, uh, but sadly, you know, you have to always be concerned about your, about your running backs getting old. Right. Yeah. You know, part of the good news is the Ravens have not invested a ton of money in the running backs. Now the exception is Edwards who did just sign a, you know, a a decent sized deal, but it's not like they have anybody who's making $9 million a year that just got hurt. So that would be more concerning if the guy's in year two of a four year, $36 million contract. (laughs) Right. And he's just suffered this kind of an injury. So it's, you know, as bad as this is, you know, the Rams made it worse with Todd Gurley, and it's been worse with uh, with uh, other backs who've gotten injured uh, in long term deals as well. Well, and that's the other thing. And again, we still have a whole season to play, but we're not at the point. I mean, when the Ravens lost Ronnie Stanley last year, I think that was worse than what the Ravens has sustained so far. I think that was harder to overcome. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that was way harder to overcome than anything that the Ravens have lost so far. Yeah, I agree. It was remarkable how well Orlando Brown fit in in the left tackle. It was just a it was remarkable. They got away with it as as well as they did, but they mm-hmm. still left a gaping hole at right tackle, and that was mm-hmm. the Ravens' biggest offensive line weakness. Exactly. All right, Sarah, thanks so much for joining us at Podcast Nobody Wants to Do, and yet it's always fun to talk football with you. I just love to do it every chance we get. You're on, I believe, in week two for us with the the defense, I think. But I have, we'll, I'd have to look at my calendar. Okay. For about, probably, I, probably, if that's what you say. Look, looking forward to that. And uh, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say I will plug one thing, which you're probably going to give me the opportunity to. Any two, anyway. I am going to go do a show. I am going to do a show with with um, Kadri Ishmael. So uh, we're going to do it uh, every game night, game day, following the pressers. And there's a new tech, the new feature on Twitter. Um, it's a uh, chat room. And so mm-hmm. we are going to use that. So I hope you guys will join into the chat room with us. We're going to be figuring out the technology on the fly. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that goes, but we are going to be doing our, our post post presser game day analysis uh, each week. That sounds like a ton of fun and I'll definitely be involved in that whenever I can in terms of, <laughs> of being actually on Twitter. It shouldn't be that hard, right? Well, it's so, not hard. And what's, what's cool is that you can have up to 10 people talk. Now I'm not going to let just anybody through because it can mm-hmm. quickly become the wild, wild west. But if you are a Twitter follower that I have created a nice relationship over the years, and I know that you're not going to be dropping F-bombs or like yeah. screaming or whatever, I will let you through. And Ken, obviously, you're, you're, you're invited anytime you have the time, but uh, I know you're well, busy post-game. Yeah, it's, it, we are in, in rush, rush mode, but it's going to be very fun. I, I yeah. wouldn't want to pass that up. Is this... You think you're 30 minutes an hour, as long as it's fun, as long as you have something to discuss or just. Yeah, they warm. usually, they usually run 30 to 60 minutes depending on yeah what we're talking about. So yeah. It's a, it's a great idea and uh, look forward to that and encourage people to listen and participate to, to the degree it's possible. Sarah, thanks again so much for coming on a terrible day, but thank you for making this topic a little easier. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Ken. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on film stuff. <laughs> Thank you.
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.